Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about leadership and conflict resolution. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Jerry Fu. Jerry is a conflict resolution coach for Asian American leaders. You can reach Jerry at his website, adaptingleaders.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Jerry. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Hello, Linda. Thanks for having me. I am so delighted to be talking to you today, and I have lots of questions, but my first has to do with your choice to leave a career as a pharmacist to become uh, this coach. So what prompted this change? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a fun journey. I'll, I'll do my best to keep it relatively short. I actually still do have a day job as a pharmacist. Um, I'm still in the middle of transitioning this coaching business to be full-time. But here's the journey. Um, yeah, basically what happened was uh, for the longest time I grew up, just really failure averse, conflict averse, I, you know, leadership was something that seemed very foreign. And I just didn't believe I could get good at it. And then the few times I would try to hold like a position that required leadership skills, you know, it didn't go well. And so it, you know, I just was felt like I'll, if, I, if I can't do it well after three or four times, I would probably never get good at it, right? It's just that pessimist side of you. It's just like, I don't like looking incompetent. I don't like this growth process. It's painful. I'm just not going to stick it out and maybe hopefully get better at it. Um, and so I took this mentality into college, even though I was, you know, fairly had a fairly successful high school career. I got into college, you know, and realized very quickly I was dealing with a higher level of talent. Uh, initially went in pre-med, uh, quickly realized that I was not going to last unless I had a clear reason for becoming a doctor. And so, you know, still said, well, I want to do something in healthcare. Uh, so pharmacy seemed like a reasonable alternative. Uh, I convinced the pharmacy school that I would make a good pharmacist. And next thing you know, you know, it's, it's a decent job. Right. Um, quality of life is, is relatively okay. You know, it's, uh, for a while, pharmacists were making six figures. And so you got, I got comfortable, especially when, you know, my mom's mentality was, Hey, work for this chain pharmacy and, you know, just do what they say. Doesn't matter how uncomfortable or unhappy it makes you just, you know, the benefits and the, and the security and stability that they bring you, um, you know, are worth that price. And, you know, from her standpoint, you know, being an immigrant, it's understandable. Um, I, I can, uh, appreciate what she's uh, telling me to do, even if I, I knew long term, I knew it wouldn't work for me. And so after five years of working in this chain pharmacy, uh, you know, at one point I realized I just had enough. Like it didn't matter that they gave me a third week of vacation because if the other 49 still stink, right? You're just like, no, that's not a good trade. Um, and so I started to look for other options and I wanted to teach students, but I uh, didn't have a PhD or residency for, um, required for an academic, like a conventional university job. So uh, the next best thing was to uh, work for a pharmacy consulting company here in Houston uh, that contracted to teach students. And so a friend who worked there said, hey, I know you're looking to teach. Do you want my old position? It's available. Um, you know, you can apply for it if you're interested. I said, absolutely. Uh, and so I'm moving to Houston. Uh, well, this was 11 years ago now. Um, yeah, I moved to Houston for this job. It was a part-time job. I'd have to earn my way and show them that I was worth keeping around. And 11 months later, I got fired, Linda. <laughs> you know? Why? What happened? No, it's my fault. Like, I just, I realized I wasn't serious about becoming a credible instructor. And plus, I didn't get along with my boss. And that's never a good sign, right? So, writing was wow. kind of on the wall. Yeah, it was my fault. Like I said, uh, you know, it was a tough lesson to learn at the time. But I can look back and say now it really was the wake-up call I needed uh, to realize that, you know, this 
successful victimhood of where I had some level of success, but was still unhappy with where I was in life, you know, wasn't going to fly with this company. And so that's when the roller coaster got really interesting, where I ended up at an independent pharmacy house of cards job where four of my paychecks bounced while I was filling for crooked doctors. And so not only was I, you know, jeopardizing my license, I wasn't getting paid for it. And then I had a really well-meaning, but this guided view of grace where I said, well, you know, let me honor my part of the contract, even if my boss is not honoring his. And all my friends are telling me, well, you know, you still can't pay your bills unless he actually honors his part, right? And so, again, conflict averse. I'm like, how do I confront the boss that's clearly ripping me off, right? I don't know idea. Like, they don't give you this manual in school, right? No. And so, thankfully, after nine months of that, uh, my friends got me out of that job, got me to another one, uh, which did pay management legitimately, but money was so tight that they couldn't pay me more than eight hours a week. And so I said, well, what do I do? And... They said, you can get more hours for us, uh, in, from us in Austin if you're willing to drive out there, which is about two and a half hours away from Houston. Um, there are worse places to end up, but it just wasn't home. And so I work, I'm working in Austin, living in Austin, you know, trying to rent a room from some friends I have out there. And I have no idea what my life is going to look like at this point, right? And so, uh, that summer, this is 2012 now, uh, I had a, a unique opportunity come up from some friends of mine who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit. Um, you know, through our fraternity. And so they said, Hey, um, we know you've been facilitating leadership or not leadership, but workshops on the fraternity side, but we have an op- opportunity for, uh, the leadership meeting that we're doing. Uh, would you be interested? And I said, absolutely. Um, you know, I love these people. I love working with them and they're giving me an opportunity I hadn't had before. And, um, something happened, Linda, when I started to teach leadership. And, you know, for the longest time, I, told myself my ceiling was only this high, right? Like I was never going to be good at this. But now I had to ask myself after seeing it modeled for me, I said, well, what if I could be good at this? How would I carry myself, right? How would I, what kind of work would that involve? And so I went, I, I came back from that convention, like all, you know, fired up now because I'm just like, oh, like I, I think I have a new skill set. And um, I had the opportunity to either stay part-time in Austin, which was a great team, uh, or uh, take on a full-time manager position that had opened up in Houston. And I told myself, I cannot stay safe. I can't stay comfortable. I need to take on this challenge. I want to come home. Um, yeah, I'll miss the friends that I finally got to actually make in Austin. But I, this is the, this is the, this is the path I need to choose for myself. And so what I tell people, right, is that leadership saved my career. Uh, because had I not taken on that challenge after this company had its funding pulled, um, I wouldn't have gotten another job, uh, interview. Uh, the only reason the next company even gave me a chance to talk was that I had leadership experience on my resume now. And so I thought, wow, that's a really good decision. But the problem is that job only ended, uh, lasted uh, 11 months. <laughs> and what so is it I was like, well, now what do I do? And, you know, I would, it felt like, you know, I had more icebergs to hop to, but they were still icebergs, Linda. And so, you know, they're going to still, you know, they still melt. And so, but my previous employer went under due to insurance issues and other drama. And I said, well, you know, I'm tired of chasing scripts. I'm tired of fighting insurance contracts that dictate how much I can work or how much I'm worth based on the work I'm doing. Uh, but I love teaching these leadership workshops. And I know what kind of developmental program I wish I had had in place uh, when I was trying to get better at this. So, um, you know, what would a career in that look like? And so I would ask around, ask some coaches who were in this space, you know, how do you, um, how do, you do this as a career? And of course, I was too scared to even like try opening a business, running a business, scaling a business. I was, I had no idea how to do any of that. Uh, but, uh, in the middle of my coaching program, uh, you know, we went virtual because of COVID and in October, I said, well, you know, 
how long, how much longer can I put, afford to put this off? So, uh, you know, filed the LLC, opened the bank account, got the website up, and now I'm in the terrifying path of trying to, you know, build this business. I'm doing some private tutoring on the side to help, you know, get some cash flow and doing podcasts, you know, just to, you know, meet some great people and, you know, get increase my visibility. But offering hopefully valuable content and an entertaining story in the process. So here we are. That is quite a story. You have had a roller coaster ride. I did not expect that. I was thinking more <laughs> security would be in line with your line of work. And it's so interesting. So many thoughts you had put together where it's so normal for people to want to be safe. And it's so normal for people to not want to have any conflict and to not want to rock the boat. And I love when you talked about how you don't, we don't want to do things that we don't feel like we're automatically going to be successful in. It is the try, try again thing is hard and scary. And you've kind of been thrust into that. It's sort of your destiny where there's something more for you. And that's really quite beautiful. So I love that you talked about being happy at work. I think so many people, they go just, we have the idea that our, our responsibility is to just, you just keep, you just keep grinding those wheels and you make the money and you pay the bills and it doesn't, happiness doesn't matter. Personal fulfillment doesn't matter. You just, you just do the thing. So are you enjoying what you are doing now? Are you happy? Yes and no. <laughs> well, uh-uh. it's, I, I, well, I say, no, I mean, it's the, the, what I mean by that is the day job, I still, you know, I, I jokingly say I have to be careful that it's, it's like a necessary evil in that, you know, it takes up the majority of my time. And, uh, but it, and it, you know, that's the only reason why I can afford to pay my bills right now. And it is the opportunity where I experiment with my own leadership style to really make sure that I'm actually practicing what I'm preaching. Right. Um, so in that regard, it, I don't, it's not, it's less about what you love is knowing what is most satisfying to you, right? They talk like a lot of leadership folks talk about the difference between passion and purpose. Like passion can wane, but if you have a greater purpose, you're willing to tough out, you know, um, you know, uh, more difficult moments knowing that there's a greater reward on the other side, right? Uh, but I mean, in terms of what I'm doing to build my business, yeah, is it terrifying? Yeah. Yes, but it is, I've, I've, I've had to learn so much about myself in the process. Um, you know, whether it's my fear of rejection or dealing with my own conflict on, on my, on this side, uh, you know, failed opportunities, you know, like uh, everything. It, you know, the alternative is worse, right, Linda? Like, you know, like, yeah, building a business, scaling a business is hard, or at least, you know, I have this share of challenges, but what's the alternative to go back to a, a 40 hour week job that I'm really not finding satisfaction in? No, like our, our lives are too short for that. So absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, I think you have kind of an advantage from your journey in that you can relate to people and people can relate to you who are struggling with all of those things. It hasn't been handed to you on a silver platter where you just say, all you have to do is be perfect. Like I am naturally perfect and everything will go. It's like people can see, wow, you know, Jerry had a hard time and, and it was scary for him and he did it anyway. And I've heard that courage is not not being afraid, it's being afraid and doing it anyway. And you've shown a lot of courage in moving forward and trying new things. So that's fantastic. So you talked about some of your your leadership style. So what is your leadership style? 
Yeah, um, I patterned my leadership style um, off the pharmacist that I, you know, co-facilitated with back in 2012. A guy named Michael McGrady. Happy to shout out his name because he, it, uh, uh, whether intentionally or not, he provided me a blueprint for me to be effective because I saw the way he brought out the best of me. And when I slowed down and studied, well, how did he do that? Right? What made it so compelling for me to? to really run through walls for this guy. And so uh, some of the stuff, some of the things that I took from him that I've kind of embedded in my own style, uh, number one, uh, be fun to be around. Uh, number two, be fun to learn from. Like I'm always, I, once I unlocked like a, the kind of books that I really love reading and improving myself with, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm sure people would just say, oh, Jerry has got some like interesting fun insight. I got it. I got to hear more of what he's learning right now. Right. Um, third is, yeah, to have integrity, right? Uh, promises are very important to me, both to honor them and to make sure I communicate proactively just to say, hey, you know, I can trust Jerry, right? Um, and also, yeah, just continuing to work on yourself and this, that path of self-improvement to say, hey, look, um, yeah, be coachable. Uh, when someone has tough feedback for you that you don't want to hear, it's to remind myself, and it's, I, I say this because I, I used to think, oh, God, like they're, I don't like feeling like incompetent or, you know, like, but if all it is is to recognize, hey, this is for my good and for my benefit. And, then, you know, then yeah, like I can, I can receive this as well. Like I learned, like listen to listen and not to interrupt, right? That's another thing just to be sure that you take people seriously, show them respect, um, show them that even if you disagree that, uh, you know, I care about you and I, I want what's best for you, even if it means having a difficult conversation about some bad habits we need to address. Um, yeah, so the, those are some of the things that come to mind when it comes to my leadership style. And, you know, just to, uh, you know, grab people's attention. You know, maybe there's an interesting story or example to study or learn from. And, uh, yeah, you know, let me, let's not just have the staff meeting every day and, and discuss what needs to be covered. You know, yeah, let's add, we have that, but also to, you know, share stories or other things that, so they're not just playing. So my technicians aren't just playing on their phones, like half, like paying attention, half dealing with the dealing with. It's like, no, let me, that's the challenge, right? Let me, let me find a, such an interesting example that they're willing to put down their phone to pay attention, Ooh. right? Instead of me just cracking the whip. Okay, yeah. that's raising the bar. Something that you can put down your phone for. Okay, so you talked about some difficult conversations. And I guess let's talk about difficult conversations and conflict resolution. And difficult conversations have not been your strong point. I can't believe that you kept working for a boss who did not pay you. That is not good. And you said your friends got you out of that? How do friends get you out of a job? Well, they you kidnap know, it's, you or it's something? More about, yeah, no, it's a great question to ask because basically, you know, my network is my network, right? And they just said, like, one of my friends said, hey, I'm working for this, you know, pain management pharmacy and they're looking to hire. Um, you know, let me help introduce you to get an interview for you so that that way I don't have to keep staying at this. Uh, you know, shady job because yeah, it was tough. Uh, what's funny is, you know, I had, I had some tension with my parents when they, when they found that I was in the situation because they're like, well, hey, Jerry, you know, you shouldn't jump off your horse until you have another one to land on. And I'm just sitting there thinking, dad, like my license will get in trouble if I continue to stay here any longer. And I can't, I can't promise that he's even going to pay me. Um, you know, any, a two week or even a month gap in my resume is not going to kill me as if this is the reason for it, right? Because people ask me, well, you know what, how come you have been working for a month? It's just like, well, you know, my paychecks were bouncing and so I had to leave. And, you know, no <laughs> one said, oh, well, you know, that's too big a gap for us to trust. And true, like, you don't want a long, long gap. Like, if I'm like waiting six months or no, now that's not me, but like, you know, to have just a gap of like a month or two, understanding that I've been actively looking for 
to stay there. You know, we understand. But yeah, it was definitely my network um, is the is what saved me over and over again. Right, whether providing me opportunities or you know training that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And you know, it's the classic. You know, you can give me a fish, or you can teach me to fish. Right. You know, sometimes you need like yeah, early on, I'm give me a fish. Right. I I need to eat something, but uh, the long term uh, goal, right, is yeah, help me stand on my own two feet, and then be the kind of candidate that will automatically generate leads and, and interest instead of uh, having to rely on my friends for handouts every single time. But you know, the house has to be there because you may, you know, you, they may have opportunities you wouldn't have available to you otherwise. So, you know, yeah, uh, have that available, but don't uh, make it your crutch, right? Yeah. That is fantastic. I'm so glad that you have a good network that really has your back. That is amazing. Now, when we're yeah. talking about difficult conversations and you talked about conversations with your parents, that's another place where we can have difficult conversations. It's not just at work, it's at home. So can you give us some conflict resolution, some tips? I mean, what, how do we do a good job? Ah, great question. Um, so the framework that I've kind of uh, made my own recipe, I guess, based on books I've read um, and my own personal experiences uh, so some of the literature that helped me out, you know, if you're not good at something, just look up a book on it, right? And, and so there's a great book, you know, I just typed in difficult conversations on Amazon and, you know, a book came up and that was pretty good. Um, another book, if you guys want to look at my source material, uh, there's a great book called Four Conversations by Jeff and Lori Ford. And one of those four conversations is called a closure conversation where they talk about in an organization, how do you, um, deal with broken expectations or if something didn't go as planned, you know, how do you address that? Uh, but yeah, as you said, right, um, this is, these are, these are, uh, more business and work situations as opposed to personal ones, like with, with parents. But, uh, so the five steps that I've told people, um, you know, that can apply to any situation really. Uh, the first is to, um, picture what success looks like. What is a successful conversation look like with my mom or my dad, you know, or a relative, right? That has an influence in my life, right? We joke about, I have, I remember one of my Asian friends from college talked about how he had an aunt who would always ask him, when are you taking your MCAT? And you're just sitting there thinking, oh God, like I can't believe this is a priority for her. Um, but yeah, picture what success looks like, you know, does it sound something like mom, you know, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Thank you that you care so much to, uh, care about making sure that I don't suffer or, you know, that I have some degree of stability in my life. And, I'm going to, you know, this is the path I'm going to pursue because I know, like, I will find a way to pay the bills as I'm pursuing, you know, what I think is meaningful work, right? Uh, you know, imagine how that conversation would go because it may not involve them agreeing with your path. You just need to come to a point of closure, right? You like like some of the funnier, it, not funnier, but higher stakes situations I had to deal with when it comes to picturing a successful conversation. At one point, um, I was serving on my second day Serving as a church class director, I found that one of the newer guys uh, was sexually harassing women in the class. Mm. And so, you know, I had to quickly, well, that's a successful conversation, right? I'm just terrified, Linda. Like, I'm just like, they didn't give me a manual for this, right? They didn't tell me I was going to have to deal with this <laughs> you situation. You have to write but, it. You know, <laughs> yeah, you have, you're, you're the goalie. You got you to gotta take care of this. You got to make the save. And it's like, okay, let me, in this case, right? It was like, let me frame this as three options for him. Because number one, it was like, okay, buddy, number one. If this is a misunderstanding, like they're just like you're doing, you're you're not doing anything wrong, but uh, you know they're interpreting your signals wrong. Okay, you need to go clear that up and make sure you don't do whatever's offending them anymore, even if like you didn't mean any harm by it. 
Number two, you actually are harassing them, which means you need to apologize and need to stop that immediately. Or three, you insist that uh, you're not doing anything wrong, which means that it's your word against hers, and I have to ask you to leave because I've known her longer than I've known you. So which option is it, right? So this is this is what I mean by success. It's not meaning, oh, I need to get him to apologize right now and just assume that uh, it's going to go well. Maybe it's just to say, hey, you know what? I just need him to take action, right? I need my parents to understand, okay, hey, look, they they can only control so much of my life, and you know, I need to get them to agree that my decisions are my decisions, right? So that's the first step. Uh, the second is to um, get 10 seconds of courage. And what I mean by that, right, people think, oh, I have to be Superman or Wonder Woman to actually, you know, follow through with this and pick up the phone. It's like, no, you just need enough to set you in motion so that you can't backtrack and, like, you know, once you, you know, slam the gate shut so that when you move this forward, if you backtrack, you basically just waste your time theirs, right? So say, hey, can I get 10 seconds of courage to pick up that phone, send that email, send that text? You know, because you just need to set that in motion, right? Uh, the third step would be to script your key phrases, like write them out. Like, what do you want to be sure you address in this conversation, whether it's on no cards or otherwise? Uh, the fourth step is to rehearse these phrases, right? Because it's one thing to write them down. It's another to actually say them out loud uh, and then, you know, role play with some friends, right? Just to say, okay, you know, what are some things that I can anticipate? What are some, what is some pushback that they might say? How do I respond to that? And then five, you have to do it. Like, you know, you can prepare all of this, but if you don't actually follow through, you have to ask yourself, what is the cost of not having this conversation? Um, you know, how much longer can I afford to tolerate feeling resentful and, and discontent? So, um, those are the five steps I usually tell people. Uh, That's really good advice. So yeah. now I'm, I'm almost wanting to try it out. So in yeah. one of your situations and one of those people, that maybe a boss or somebody that you would have liked to say something to, um, okay, I'm your boss and I'm dishonest and I'm not paying you. Let's have a conversation. What are you going to tell me? Yeah. So if I could do it all over again, right. Um, assuming that he didn't already, uh, address it, which he, you know, you got to kind of finesse this thing out. Right. Um, you know, you can just tell him and just like, Hey, you know, look, James, um, can you tell me what's going on here? Uh, you know, I just, I just need an explanation. At least I just, I just want to hear your side of the story, right? Like part of the tips is to get curious about it. Don't, don't assume that you know the right thing to happen. I mean, the evidence in this case, right, is very clear that something, either he's incompetent or evil or both, right? It's just kind of like, okay, but, you know, let's, let's assume a blank slate and just say, hey, you know what? I have no idea what happened. I know something, you know, there's broken expectations here, but let me go in and actually inspect it. And you lean into the difficulty, right? And so it's like, okay, let me get curious. If I don't have curious, let me use curiosity. So, hey, James, um, you know, I noticed that my check got returned um, recently. Can you, can you help me figure out what's going on? Right. And then here is that story. Well, you know, and he's going to give you all kinds of excuses, right? And, you know, in this case, and I'm not trying to make light of this, but it is like they're going, there's always some explanation. Like mm -hmm. for people who like to make excuses, they will always come up with a story that's believable. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, this didn't come through and that didn't come through. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, you know, I still can't pay rent this month. Um, so like, how can you help? How, if we both agree, Right. Do we agree, right? How do we, how do we move from uh, confrontation to collaboration, right? Now we both agree, hey, I, uh, you need to pay your employee, right? You need to take care of your employees. Do you agree with this? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. like, how do you want to make sure that, you know, uh, we can take care of this problem? And how uh, do you suggest that you, what measures do you want to take now to prevent this from happening so we don't have to have this conversation, right? And you tell, and you know, you show them, hey, we're on the same side, right? 
we're working for the same company. I'm trying to do a good job for you. I'm trying to uh, bring in money so that you can't pay me properly, right? Um, a firm, you know, it's like what Carnegie says, right? You know, ask questions they can have no choice but to say yes to, right? It's like, yeah, do you, do you consider yourself a, a trustworthy, reliable boss? Well, yeah. It's like, okay, well, don't trustworthy bosses pay their employees on time? Like, well, yeah. It's like, okay. So if that is true, um, how do you propose uh, that you take care of this, right? And you leave the solution up to them. Um, because the, the solutions they generate on their own uh, are usually the ones they actually implement instead of the ones that I directively directly demand that they implement. So that's another thing to think about. Wow, this is good stuff, Jerry. Okay, so if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice and some life hacks to this emerging college student, um, what would you say? Um, yeah, I... I guess the first thing to tell myself is that, hey, um, believe that you can get good at something. Like, believe that you can get something because that ultimately is up to you to decide whether or not you can get good at something, right? Um, you know, a quick side note, you know, I learned salsa dancing early on in college and I thought I'd never get good at it. And then after enough time and persistence and work, all of a sudden now I'm teaching lessons, you know, for, for people to help enjoy salsa dancing as much as I do. Uh, so, you know, um, be secure in what you love, and because if you are, then it's okay for people to disagree with you. Um, you know, I think, like, you know, I an example I used recently, you know, I, I remember when my friends and I would argue over whether or not Sega or Nintendo was better. And people would say, face it, Jerry, you know, Nintendo's better. And I'd be like, and, but I would, I could tell myself now, I'd be like, hey, you know what? You might be right, but, you know, I like my Sega. And you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's enough, right? I wish I could have told myself that, you know, like early on, just be like, hey, you know, like, it's like Brene Brown says, where it's just kind of like, hey, look, um, you know, if you are secure, you don't have to undercut people. You don't have to make yourself look be- better than others by making them look bad. Uh, you can elevate them and then elevate yourself in the process, right? Um, yeah, that's, I think that's what I would tell myself to say, hey, it's a, like, and just to tell yourself, hey, some of these conversations might not go the way you want it to. There are plenty of, like, conflict resolution challenges that fly off the rails, right? That, or, you know, that don't go as expected, but, um, you are always better off knowing that you were honest with yourself and honest with them. At least if you, if this friendship goes south or anything else like that, at least you have the peace of mind knowing that they know exactly, uh, how they lost your trust, right? And, you know, why you can't be friends anymore instead of just like being upset with them and then just like distancing them and then just like keeping them out because you are, you just can't bring yourself to like talk to them. Um, and you know, it comes, part of it comes from just my cultural upbringing and my mom. Uh, you know, this isn't to blame her, but she was very conflicted person where she just wanted, she just didn't want to antagonize anyone. Like, you know, let's, a simple example, right? Let's say someone comes over to my house and they don't take off the shoes, right? An Asian standard, right? Hey, take off the shoes. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, do I tell them? Oh, I don't want to, I don't want them to be upset. And you're just kind of, you're already, like, you're already sabotaging yourself instead of just saying, hey, man, you know, uh, would you mind taking off your shoes? Uh, this is just how we keep the floors clean, right? Give them, a, give them a, re- a good reason as to why they should take off their shoes. Take, take off their shoes. Right. And that's all it takes. You know, what are the chances that they'll say, no, I don't want to. I got, you know, my feet are ugly and I don't want you to see them. It's like, no, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, so yeah, at, yeah, at the very least ask, um, you know, because the worst they can say is no. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. No, that's another thing I would tell myself. No means freeing yourself up to look for another yes. Um, and, you know, I'm still working on that myself. Like I'm, I've been great about doing that for podcast guesting. I'm still working on that for clients. Uh, but, you know, just to let people know, hey, I'm a work in progress, too. Um, I, I might be a little further along, but hey, I still 
I still have these struggles, but what's the turning point when I know, as you said, uh, courage is not the absence of fear. It is acting in spite of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, give, give courage. Hey, if I can do it, you can do it for sure. That is fantastic. And I love that those little things, like even the question about taking off your shoes, it's 10 seconds of courage where you just go ahead and stand up for yourself. That's beautiful. I love how empowering the idea is of being able to gain that personal confidence. We're not looking to win the fights. We're looking to kind of work our way, avoid if possible, but not everything has to be a fight. Um, it's, it's not necessarily a fight to say, this is what I want. This is how I feel. This matters to me. And that is quite beautiful. So you've done a great job and you're doing a good journey. And you talked a little bit about culture. And I, I think you mentioned that you were kind of specifically working or targeting with an Asian population trying to help. Is that because that is a cultural thing to have that, that adverse adversity to adversity, really, where you, you don't, I don't want any conflict? Or yeah, I mean, is there another yeah, reason? No, that's, that's exactly it. Um, part of it is just strategically niching uh, because initially when I said, hey, you know, I have this leadership credential, I, you know, I paid a lot of money to get the, uh, get this credential. Uh, but then you realize there's leadership coaches are a dime a dozen. So many people on LinkedIn, right? They say, oh, I am a change management specialist, all these other things, right? And they're like, well, who do you help? And they're like, oh, anybody who needs my help. Everybody needs my help. And it's like boring, right? If, you, if you're trying to help everyone, you will help no one. And mm-hmm. so I had to quickly niche down and say, well, number one, uh, I have a heart for people 10 years that were like 10 years ago where I was, right? They're just like, you know, my parents told me this one thing, but it's not working out. And, and I'm getting messages from, you know, my current culture that I, you know, may or may not agree with, but it sounds fun, but I don't even know what I want, right? So you have conflict within yourself, you have conflict at work, you have conflict with your family or your cultural expectations. Uh, how do you navigate that, right? Uh, and then I, yeah, based on all my personal and professional challenges, every one of my friends told me, hey, Jerry, it's right in front of you. It's conflict. Like, this is your specialty, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and much like leadership, conflict is a struggle that became a fascination. Like, you struggle with something enough and you realize, you know what, maybe there's a lot to this fear that I, I didn't appreciate. Uh, and now, right, I am, you know, and even as I'm terrified every time I have to correct somebody still, but, but knowing that, hey, you know what, I've, I've been at this long enough to know I'm, I'm certain of a successful outcome. Uh, and it's not about twisting anyone's arm. It's just about empowering them to realize, hey, you know what, Jerry uh, would bring this up unless he cared about me. Um, whether it is, you know, a roommate who defaulted on his lease and that I had to deal with that. And um, just recognizing, hey, you know what? Yeah, even if I have to evict the guy, uh, you know, Jerry is not doing this to insult me or humiliate me. He's just enforcing loving consequences of what happens when, you know, I am not honoring this agreement. And, you know, I can, I can fire someone with dignity. I can evict someone with dignity. Uh, this is not about, oh, I'm going to get you. It's like, no, I'm, you know, people are, people are people, right? And we need to show them the respect, even if we don't, even if they've lost my trust or respect. Like, I still need to show them that they are human and, and acknowledge that. Isn't it interesting how holding people accountable for their choices and their actions is actually a form of respect? And I really like how you brought that up. That's very insightful. Thanks. And I think it's also very empowering. I don't think we can be our best selves if we are not held accountable for our words and our actions. So thank you. Thank you, Jerry, for sharing your journey. 
and for your insight and your wisdom. I really loved, my favorite part was walking through those steps to be able to have a conversation. I thought that was brilliant. So I'm going to have to go listen again and write it down <laughs> so I can sure, have all the sure. choices. And even better, um, you know, you, you can do that. Uh, I've, I've been flattered when podcast hosts tell me, oh, i got to go back and listen to this. And if you want a free reference, uh, you can actually go to my website, uh, adaptingleaders.com, and get a free uh, PDF download uh, of, the, of, what I, of the framework I told you. Uh, oh, beautiful. And so you can do that. So if you want to take notes, you can. You want to transcribe the podcast, great. If you just want a free PDF, just send a, uh, sign up with your email address. I'll send it right over. Uh, you can also schedule a free 30-minute uh, phone call uh, console just to, if you want to share your story or if you want to uh, want some help you know, walking through a situation that is complimentary. Um, if you want a formal coaching package, we can talk about it from there. But for right now, there's no strings attached. It's just, hey, you know, here's a free PDF. Here's a, a complimentary um, you know, phone call. And, and just, yeah, share for sure. That is fantastic. And I will make sure to include the links in the description as well. Thank you for sharing all these wonderful things that you are offering. Absolutely. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by author and speaker Thomas Crum. He said, the quality of our lives depends not on whether or not we have conflicts, but on how we respond to them. Today, I invite you to improve the quality of your life by choosing helpful healing responses to the conflict in your life. See you next time on Linda's Corner.